Someday soon, she'll be on a baby grand in our new building. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And I want to just share a Christmas message with you. I want to talk about the four fear knots of Christmas. The four fear knots of Christmas. Can everybody say with me, fear not? Now, I'm going to have, um, I'm going to have participatory audience today. Every once in a while, I'm going to turn to you, tell you to turn to your neighbor and preach to him a little bit. So let's just try it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, fear not. Fear not. Amen. When Jesus came, God's message to you and me was fear not. Let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country... Shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were very afraid. And the angel said to them, say it with me, everybody, fear not. Angels usually say to people in the Bible, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And that's why you are to fear not. Father, we thank you today that the Spirit of God banishes fear. We thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I pray that, Lord, you will banish fear from anyone in this room. That, Lord, you'll help us to experience your peace even in the presence of a storm. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tell your neighbor, perk up and listen. You need this today. I was reading the Christmas story. And, you know, the Christmas story is an incredible thing. You cannot get near the story of Christmas without coming near a miracle. You can't get the story near the story of Christianity unless you deal with the miracle, really two of them, that God did. A virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and Jesus was raised from the dead. You can't get near Christianity without dealing with the reality of a miracle. And I noticed that in the Christmas story, there's four fear nots. There's four times within the context of the story that somebody is told to not be afraid. I did a little research on fear. And you know, psychologists tell us that we're born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of noise. Those are the two fears we're born with. Of course, the older you get, you fear falling again. (laughs) I've fallen and I can't get up. But you know, as we grow, we develop many more fears. And if you look around you, watch the news, our age is frantic with fear. And it's no wonder. Jesus predicted that in the last days before his return, men's hearts would literally fail them for fear. They would have heart attacks looking at what was coming upon the world. So fearful would the circumstances be. Members of a psychology class asked 500 people, what are you afraid of? 
And those 500 people listed 7,000 fears. 7,000 fears out of 500 people. The human ordeal is to deal with fear. Now, I notice that in the Bible, there's two kinds of fear. There's a good kind and a bad kind, a right kind and a wrong kind. There is one kind of fear that we're commanded to practice, and that's the fear of the Lord. It involves respect and honor and reverence and a sense of awe. For instance, we're to fear God. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, now here Solomon is wrapping up the sum total of what life is all about. And here's what he says. He says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter called life. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We are to fear God. Now that doesn't mean that we are to have a phobia of God. That comes from the Greek word phobos, and that's the dreaded kind. That's the tormenting kind of fear that John talked about when he said fear has torment. Phobos, phobia, has torment. But the good kind of fear, the fear of God, which is to be in reverence of him, to honor him, to respect him, to be in awe of him. Lord, we we honor you. We're in reverence of you. You can notice that one of the first signals of somebody is getting out of the fear of the Lord They're very careless and very laissez-faire in the presence of God. It's like, oh, big deal, God's moving. Listen, we ought to come in here and rejoice in his presence, but also show a respect for God. The fear of the Lord, which is healthy, is the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing in his scales every one of my thoughts, my words, my actions, and my attitudes. What is the Holy Ghost inside of you watching? And what is God weighing in the scales? Every word that comes out of your mouth, every thought, every action that you involve yourself in, in every attitude you harbor. That's the fear of the Lord. How many of you have realized you've gone on long enough in God to realize he has big eyes? And I don't mean that bad. I mean, it says the eye of the Lord is in every place, observing the evil and the good. He is everywhere. He sees everything. So the fear of the Lord is that awareness that you walk in. And it it cleans your life up when you walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, I find that when you walk in the fear of the Lord, that constant awareness, that it produces three things. And let me just cover them real quickly. Holiness. It produces holiness because you're aware that he's watching and weighing every one of your thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. So it produces holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1. The second thing it produces is working out your own salvation. The Bible says in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with what, everybody? Fear and trembling. Paul the apostle, the mighty apostle of God, walked in fear and in trembling in the presence of God. I find another thing that the fear of the Lord produces, evangelism. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, It's no light thing to know that we will all one day stand in that place of judgment. This is not all there is. Every one of us will face God and nobody will be there with us. These foolish people who say, well, I don't care if I go to hell. I'll be down there with my friends. You won't be with anyone in hell. You won't have friends in hell. And when we all meet God, we meet God to answer for our own life 
And the only thing that we can stand on is the blood of the Lamb. That's our only defense, the blood of the Lamb. I placed my faith in your Son. But we'll face Him. He says, he says we're all going to stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone to meet, we meet to get them ready to face God. Notice, if I keep in my mind I'm going to face God one day, I do everything I can with everybody I meet to get them ready to face God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.11. And then there is a fear that is forbidden by God. There is a fear. Do you know that four times in one chapter alone, Jesus said, don't worry, don't worry, do not worry, do not worry. Worry is just another manifestation of fear. And there is a fear that is literally forbidden by God. And here's what that fear does or, and what it means. It is dread. It is alarm, fright, terror, apprehension, anxiety, perplexity, and distrust. We're not to walk in that kind of fear. We're not to walk in constant dread. We're not to constantly be walking in terror. There may be terrorists in the world, but I'm going to tell you today, I am not terrorized. There are terrorists in the world who want people walking in fear of them. But I am not a terrorized one because I'm owned by somebody else. And I answer to another God. And my God gives me peace in the middle of a storm. My God says to me, fear not. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Because my God watches over me, protects me, and he is my peace. I am not afraid. But, but interestingly, it's that wrong kind of fear that is addressed four times in the Christmas story. There's four fear nots. Now let me just share them with you real quickly because every one of us experience fear in the circumstances in which these people found themselves and where God told them, don't be afraid. The first fear not is to the shepherds. The angel said to them, fear not, there is good news. And the angel, quote, I'm quoting now, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why are we not to be afraid? Because Jesus is in the world. I love that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Amen. I recently discovered a brand new website. It's growing very quickly. And it's called goodnews.com. Goodnews.com. And they began this website for a reason. The focus is only on communicating good news. You won't find any bad news on goodnews.com. If you ever need to pick me up, go to goodnews.com. If you don't have a computer, go to goodnews.org. Right here. A survey conducted among 1,004 Americans showed the power of good news. Here's what it found. When people hear good news, they feel better. 83% said they feel better about the goodness of people on hearing good news. 93% felt better about the generosity of others following good news. 90% felt better about the future after hearing good news. See, when somebody hears good news, you begin to see the future through the lens of optimism and hope. 
And that's why we need to always hear good news. You're never going to walk in this church and not hear some good news. You're always going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because he lives we can face tomorrow, and that's good news, and you can be optimistic about that. 76% said good news helps them feel better about their personal life and their ability to function better in the workplace was altered and changed and bettered by good news. 63% said that hearing or reading good news helped them get along better in relationships. I think you ought to wake up in your household and tell your spouse some good news. If you can't find any on the television, and you probably can't, look somewhere and find some good news and say it. There is good news amongst all the bad. The networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, all the rest, they major primarily on bad, negative news. I'm going to tell you, there is a lot of good news. And when you talk about good news in your house, it does something to the people that are living there. It says in the Bible, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But good news cheers him up. Look at your neighbor and tell them, there is good news. Now, here's what you tell them. You look better than last time I saw you. Go ahead and tell them that. That's good news. <laughs> What's the best news you've ever heard? Maybe you've gotten the good news of a raise. How many of you would say, that's good news? Is anybody here today? Or a new job or a breakthrough you've waited for for a long time. Or maybe you went to the doctor and they did some scary tests. And you just got something in the mail that said everything was fine. That's good news. And doesn't it lift you up? It releases a chemical into your brain. There is a power in good news. And we ought to be people of good news because good news was brought to us and we are the disseminators of good news to the world. Our message is not a negative message. It is not a terroristic message. It is not a doom and gloom message. It's good news. There is born in Bethlehem, in the city of David, a Messiah called Christ the Lord. And because of that, we have hope for the future. The second fear not in the Christmas story is to fear not the humanly impossible. Fear not the humanly impossible. And it was directed to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Listen to Luke chapter 1 verse 30. And the angel said to Mary, here goes the angel again, fear not. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There you have the crux of the gospel. There you have the reason we sit here today. There you have the cause to rejoice. Now I want you to think about this. Talk about impossible. I got to tell you, there is a difference between impossible and improbable. If something is truly impossible, you or I, if we could live to be a hundred, could never make it happen. If something was truly impossible... If you thought something was impossible, but you made it happen in your own strength with your own abilities, it was not impossible. It was only something that might have been highly improbable, but there was still a percentage of possibility that you could bring it to pass, and you did. See, a miracle, when the impossible becomes possible, 
requires the intervention of God. It's not going to happen without the intervention of God. That's impossible. It's when God defies his own laws for life. He steps into time and space. He intervenes with his hand. He moves something, does something, causes something to happen that apart from divine intervention was hopeless and helpless and futile, could never have been brought to pass by a human being. Here's Mary, and she has a visitation from an angel about a 15-year-old Jewish girl. Think about it. 15-year-old Jewish girl, here she is. And suddenly there is an angel. And he says, Mary, you are highly favored of God. You're going to have a child. And he's going to be called the Son of God. And she asked the normal question, the logical question, how can this be? I've had relations with no man. How can this be? And he said, are you ready for an impossibility, Mary? The Spirit of God is going to overshadow you. And that holy thing that is conceived in you is going to be the Son of God. That is impossible. But i got to tell you something, church. I see the impossible happen all the time. Because you see, the Holy Son of God was conceived in her when the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. And that which was conceived in her was of God. It was not by normal means. This was something never done before, has never happened again. It was a once in a world event. It was the immaculate conception. It never happened before or since, didn't need to. We only needed one Savior, one intervention, one Messiah, one blood, one sacrifice. After that, it's all said and done. And the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. And this little Jewish girl became pregnant by the moving of the Spirit of God on her womb. Now let me tell you something about you. One day, you were dead in your sins. Your soul was dead. You were lifeless on the inside. You were dead men and dead women walking around. You functioned. Your, your heart beat. You could change a flat. You could have kids, raise a family, and one day die. But on the inside, you were unplugged. You were not in, plugged into the life source of God. But you heard the gospel. And when you heard the gospel, the Holy Ghost overshadowed you. And when the Holy Ghost overshadowed you, you became convicted of sin. And when you said, Jesus, forgive me, a miracle of God happened. The impossible became possible. God stepped into. God stepped into your spirit and he did what you could not have done if you lived to be a thousand years old. God touched you and that which was dead came to life. That which was in the dark came into the light. That which had no hope had hope. That which was headed for hell was now headed for heaven. You have been bought with a price. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and a miracle conception has happened inside of you. You haven't been born once. You've been born twice by the power of God. Mm. And I see that miracle happen all the time. A changed life. What are you doing here on a Sunday morning? 
When you could be off at the mall or off at some park, beautiful weather like this in the middle of December, what in the world has happened to you? Here's what happened to you. God gave you a brand new nature with brand new desires, and you desire the good milk of the Word of God. You desire to be in His presence. You wanted to come and worship God. What in the world has happened to you, child? How did you get that way? Well, God overshadowed you, gave you a brand new nature. Now you are a new species of being that has never been before. And that's what God does. Yeah. Fear not. Fear not. How shall this be? It'll be by the power of God. Fear not, Mary. You know, I think back over 2006, I realized that many of today's realities were yesterday's impossibilities for me. And I got to thanking God for the year of 2006. Just think about what God has done. On radio again, new book coming out, signs of restoration all around me, restored relationships in the body of Christ, restored relationships in my home. I look around me and I see things that never would have happened had it not been for the blowing of the Holy Ghost, the moving of the Spirit of God over my life and over His call on my life and over many of you. I see many of you. You thought it was over, but it wasn't. You, did, you thought you couldn't take another step, but you've taken a lot of them since then. You thought you were down for the count, but you're up again. It looked like there was no hope until the Holy Ghost moved on you. And now, yes, indeed, there was hope in Him. Hey, He brought me out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay. He set our feet upon a rock. He established our goings, and he's put a new song in our mouth, even praise to our God. I try not to get worked up, but I can't help it. This thing moves me. I love the promise, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. I love that word it because it's open-ended. It means whatever you happen to need him to do. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. He'll bring you that financial breakthrough. He'll bring you a miracle into your marriage. He'll bring you a miracle into your home. He'll strengthen you. He'll help you. He'll undergird you and equip you. He will do it. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. At Christmas time and all year long, we ought to thank God and not fear the humanly impossible. This year, he's going to do some things you could never have done on your own. Thank God. Amen? Now, the third fear not in the Christmas story is the fear not of unanswered prayer. The fear not of unanswered prayer. It involves the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was born around the same time as Jesus, and his birth was also in many ways miraculous because his father, Zacharias, was an old man. He's sort of like Abraham and Sarah. And we find Zacharias in the Christmas story. It really sort of begins with him. He's the high priest. He goes into the temple. He's going into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice for the people. They've got a rope tied around his ankle. They're holding on to it out here in the outer court because if the high priest went in and did something or said something in the Holy of Holies, he shouldn't. God would strike him dead. And they didn't want to go in and get him. So they would pull him out. So he's, he's going in 
and he's going to make sacrifice for the people. But there is something on his mind he can't get off his mind. He has a prayer request. Now, I want you to catch this because something was on his spirit he could not shake. Something was in him to pray for it. He could not let go. You know, I found something about God. When God touches you to do something in your life, you don't really have to hold on to it because it holds on to you. His vision holds on to you. His call holds on to you. Here's Zacharias. He's an old man now, and he's childless. And it's, it's, it's something we have to assume he's been praying for for years. He's like Abraham. He's been praying for a child. He wants a son to carry on his name. He's the high priest. He's a who's who, but he's got nobody to carry on his name. And so he's saying he's going in there to offer sacrifice for the people, but that prayer that he could not let go of, he, he, he just had to bring it up in the presence of God again. For the umpteenth time, he brought it up again. And he said, by the way, Lord, now I'm here to sacrifice for the people as their high priest. But can I just say it again, God? I want a child. I want a child. I can't let go of this. I want a child. This is in me. I've got to see this happen. And suddenly there is an angel. And the angel says, fear not. Now, at first, I thought he was saying, fear not, because the angel was standing there. And that was probably part of it. Because if you see a real angel from God, you don't talk about the weather. You're on your face and you are afraid. But there was more to this fear not than just seeing the angel. The fear not had to do with, Zacharias, I've heard your long-term, long-standing prayer. And I'm here to tell you it's finally about to be answered. You've been praying for a long time. You thought it was too late. You've gotten old. You wondered if God even heard you anymore. You thought God was denying you this prayer. But Zechariah, sometimes I wait because what's cooking in heaven's oven is so powerful, so magnificent, that that's why it tarries. Because when it shows up, it is something to behold. And Zacharias, you're not just going to have a son, but this baby is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah of God. He's going to be a prophet in Israel. He's going to be Elijah. Come back in the new covenant. He's going to have the same spirit that Elijah did. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord and he is going to be the one who says behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's going to be great. Now here's Zechariah. He's freaking out. He can't believe in my old age God has finally decided to answer my prayer. Have you ever had a prayer that you just couldn't let go of? Have you ever had something you felt like walking away from it? You wished you could quit praying for it. You wished it would let go of you, but it would not. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed some more. The devil has told you he's not hearing you. The enemy has said God's not listening. Your mind has said he's ignoring you. It is not on his heart. He doesn't care. But guess what? Don't fear, fear not unanswered prayer. God's going to answer it one way or the other. He's either, hey, go ahead and praise him. God says four things in, in, the, in the side of any prayer. He'll say yes. He might say no. He might say wait. And sometimes he says, you got to be kidding. <laughs> Have you ever prayed a prayer where you could just hear God saying, you've got to be kidding? 
But my, my point on this one is, Zechariah was now an old man. He didn't even think it was possible anymore. But Elizabeth conceived. And John the Baptist was born. And what an incredible answer to prayer. And the message of the angel, one of the four fear knots of Christmas is don't fear unanswered prayer. God is listening. God knows what you need. His eye is on the sparrow. His eye is on you. His, he knows what you're asking for. It is written in his book. It's marked down in heaven. I, I heard a man say that a man who had actually died on the operating table... He said, I had a vision of Jesus. Now, a lot of these things, I don't put much stock in, but I do this one. He said, because I died on the operating table, and I saw my body below me, and I was taken into heaven, and I walked into a place that I knew was the throne room of God. And here's what I heard. I heard the echoes of thousands of prayers knocking around that throne room. Thousands of saints praying and they echoed in the chambers of God. The Bible says he's got your prayers in a vial. He knows what you're asking for. Timing may be the issue, but God hearing you is not the issue. Our problem with prayer is that when God is preparing a great and mighty thing, it takes time. It doesn't arrive the way we thought it would, and it often does not involve the people we thought it would. He does not use the Ways and Means Committee we expected. We think he's going to do it over here, he does it over there. We think he's going to do it this way, he's going to do it that way. You can't put God in a bottle. He is unpredictable. He is a prayer-answering God, but he's going to do it any way he wants. With Zacharias and Elizabeth, the answer to their prayer came in their later years in a totally unexpected way that could only have been God. They were past childbearing age, and in the midst of their greatest weakness, she conceived. Oh! Somebody today gave me a gift. It's a Lionel train. A Lionel train lamp. And just now I heard a choo-choo in my spirit. And it was a train approaching us. And you know what I believe? There is a train coming. And it's the blessing of God. Elijah the prophet said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. They looked up and there was nothing in the sky. And, and, and the, the, the servant thought he'd lost his mind. But Elijah said, no, 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 no. In my spirit, I hear something that's not here yet. But it's on the way. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Is anybody hearing me today? I'm here to tell you we're about to reach thousands of people. We're going to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I may not see the cloud yet, but I know that soon I'm going to see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And that's going to be the beginning of a great out pouring. Buckle your seatbelts, church. We're not here to have religion. We're not here to perpetuate just another religious service. We're here to see God move. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I think I hear it too. (laughs) So can you say with me, fear not, unanswered prayer. Now the last fear not is fear not present circumstances. Fear not present circumstances. Have you ever been distraught over circumstances? 
Has a situation ever overwhelmed and confused you as to how you were to react to it, what you were to do, how you were to respond? The last fear not has to do with Joseph, the husband of Mary. And this is huge. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, engaged. Before they came together sexually, she was found with child. She was found with child. That's all Joseph knew. She was found with child. The Bible takes us beyond the veil and says, of the Holy Ghost. But all Joseph knew is she's found with child. This is my little Mary. This is my little fiance. She's found with child. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, because you were excoriated in those days if you were an unwed mother. You were excoriated. You were stigmatized for life. And while he was thinking of putting her away and not exposing her, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, now they're together in this. Now, I guarantee you they did not say, well, honey... Let's just go to the synagogue and tell them what's really happened. Hello, everybody. You know me and Mary. We're engaged. And, and, and I guess you've noticed she's showing. I guess you've noticed that she's pregnant. We're here to tell you God did it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. So they suffered the rejection. There's no question about it. A lot of raised eyebrows and the gossip mongers were busy at work, busy at home, busy in the streets. Have you seen Mary? She's showing. They say that it's God. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? But here's the deal. The angel said to her, to Joseph, just wait till Jesus shows up. Then it's going to make everything make sense. I heard something in that. See, sometimes people look at our circumstances and they judge them. They judge you. They judge me. They look at our circumstances and they say, "Uh uh-huh, sure, yeah. And so what do you do? If you've ever been in a situation where there's no way you can vindicate yourself, there's no way that you can convince people that you are not what they think you are. And there's no way you can convince people that you're not dastardly and evil and wrong and, and all these things because they're gossiping about you. And so you feel very helpless and you say, God, what do I do? And here's what God says. He says, just hang on because Jesus is going to show up in this. Jesus is going to show up in this. And I want you to notice something. When, when Jesus was born, he began to grow. And he, he, they find him in the temple talking to the doctors, answering their questions they couldn't answer, asking them questions they could not answer. He was wise beyond his years. Sooner or later, everybody began to realize after the shepherds had been there and the wise men had been there, all of them talking about the miracle birth of Christ, that this was the Messiah. Don't you know that Mary was vindicated by the appearance of Jesus? Now, church, some things are never going to vindicate you, but the appearance 
appearance of Jesus on your life. Can I tell you, there is a vindicator you can turn to who will vindicate your name, vindicate your circumstances. His name is Jesus. You got to wait for Jesus to show up. And when Jesus shows up, it shuts the mouth of all the critics. What can they say when a baby is born, when a miracle is done, when a provision comes? What can they say when obviously you have been delivered by the hand of the living God? What can they say when obviously it is God? Fear not your present circumstances, Joseph, because he's going to be born, and when he's born... It's going to answer your situation. When Jesus arrives on your scene, it's going to answer it. Just look for Jesus to show up. So let me just say these four fear nots. In summary, fear not. Same with me, would you? Fear not, there is good news. Let's try it again. Fear not, there is good news. Fear not the humanly impossible. Fear not unanswered prayer. And fear not circumstances. Jesus is coming to your situation. Can we stand together? Amen. If I didn't believe this, I wouldn't be here. My defense is God. No wonder the psalmist said, there's no safety in the horse, and there's no deliverance in men. The Lord is our deliverer. He's our deliverer. I want to pray for you. I don't know where you are, but I know that God doesn't want you filled with dread and terror and fear. So let me pray for you. Some of you are afraid of falling into some kind of sin. The Spirit of God just spoke that to me. You're afraid of falling into sin. You're not being tempted above what you're able to resist. But God is faithful. He's going to strengthen you. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure. But He's going to open up a way of escape. Take it. Take it while the door is there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray for this congregation. You have a vision for us. You have a purpose for us. Lord, my humble request is that you put together a mighty family, an army of believers the strength of whose faith will touch the world. That's my prayer. Now I pray, deliver us from fear. Now whatever you're afraid of today, I want you to give it to God. Maybe fear of cancer, fear of some kind of disease, fear of falling, fear of your spouse walking out, fear of being alone. Whatever it is, I want you to give it to the one who came to deliver us from fear. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and let's sing, Steve. And folks, pray as Steve leads us. Just pray and give it to God.
Thank you, Lord. God is so good. 